This is the intro, this is the intro, this is the intro to the Poet and Billy Podcast Extravaganza! Can you guys hear me okay? Who is this? Who is this? This is a private conversation. conversation. Uh, are you talking to me on a cellular phone? I don't know you. Who is this? Don't come here. I'm hanging up the phone. Prank caller! Prank caller! <laughs> you added me, sir. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know why, but that prank caller line is just like one of my favorite lines of all time. It's it's so well delivered of just like, crank caller, crank And I use it all the time, irregardless of the situation. <laughs> You mean regardless? No, irregardless is what I meant. I said it, and that's what I meant. I said what I meant. That's what I'm trying to say, Billy. Irregardless okay, no, of what glad, you I'm think. Glad we got, I'm, I'm glad that we got that, that, that covered. I'm sorry for making you guys wait. I don't know why I give it time anymore. First off, it's not your fault. Yeah. I can still hear him back there. Like He's just he's still like yelling. And you know what really bugs me is an hour before 7, so like 6, he fell asleep for a little while. And then like 20 minutes later, was like, nope. It's wake wake time. Why don't you just have him on the show, man? Uh, because he doesn't he doesn't like to sit by himself for too long. Like so, in order for me to do the show, I would have to find a way to record and walk with him at the same time while holding him. And also, he's heavy, so I can't do it for that long. I have to switch him off. Understandable. Uh, yeah. So from but now yeah, on, I'm just gonna give you guys like a time frame, like a cable guy, where I'm like, uh, I'll be available yeah, at 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Yeah, it's totally fine, man. Like, I, and if I, I don't show up, we'll do it in two weeks. <laughs> I, I, I just want you to know it's not fine, and I'm livid. No, I know. <laughs> I, oh, oh, I, you I, like, know me, what would like, really oh, well. make you livid. So I know we're going to be talking about movies that Charlie yeah, saw. I already know. I watched Your movie. wife already no, texted me about I know. it. She, I, she said, she's like, I'm a text poet right now. And I was like, good. Uh, we watched Knives Out. It's excellent. We thought it was really good. We loved it. Um, Respect. And immediately we were like, Poet will never watch it. And it's funny because he would, I know he would like this movie. No, there's no way I would like this movie. I've seen the director's work. I don't like his work. You haven't seen this one, though. I don't need to see all of it. How many, hey, I mean, answer me this one fucking question. Okay. How many times do you have to have your face shoved in dog shit for you to be like, oh no, dog shit is not what I want my face shoved in? I feel like that's zero times. Twice I've had my face shoved in dog shit, which are his films. I don't need any more of that dog shit. Like, if we completely... Yeah, like, if we we remove the Star Wars one, because we're not getting into that, because we all, like, it's a whole personal history everyone has with it. It's not, it's a whole other layer. But... Which what was the Looper? I know you didn't like, which is fair. It's 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 a different weird film. Have you seen Brick or Brothers Bloom? No. Why would I waste Brick my time great. on either of those fucking trash films? Okay. Uh, well, okay. Let, let me let me try a different tact. You have you no, watched no. Uh, Breaking Bad? No. Really? Yeah. I watched oh. Malcolm in the Middle, and then it immediately started, and I was just like, oh, I don't need to see Malcolm's dad going through rough times. I'm cool. You then, don't watch things for the weirdest reasons. I know. I, said before, I just but spent like repeating. seven seasons watching him in his underwear. The first episode, he's in his underwear in like five minutes, and I just I tapped out. I'm pretty sure Malcolm in the Middle ended years before Breaking Bad started. No, it was literally it ended, and then Tuesday Breaking Bad came on. It was Tuesday. That is now what happened. April seventeenth. I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm looking this up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, 2006. 
Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle ended in 2006? It was 2000 to 2006. And Breaking Bad did start in... Was it 2006 or 2007? 2008, this says. First episode was 2008. Okay. It's a couple of years. Yeah, but... Then again, those were my teenage years, and they went by a lot slower. Now two years is nothing to me, so I guess I understand why you felt that way. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I just don't... I don't like the director. I don't like the director, I'm, and I'm actually flabbergasted that there are people who think he's a quality director. His movies are trash. His writing is trash. Well, good night, everybody! <laughs> anyway, but Billy, you really liked it. Hold on. Billy, you really liked it. Charlie, you've seen it. You liked it. Uh, I've seen it a couple times. Uh, I think it was two months ago. I, b- I bought it for my dad. We watched it again. Um, yeah, I, re- I really like it. I, th- I think all the actors are awesome. I like the uh, the twist on the whodunit genre and how it's it's really fun. It's it's yeah. It's, it's one of the. It was the most satisfying movie I saw in theaters last year. Yeah, like you walk I, out of it, it's like liked... that was fun. Yeah. I didn't. There was a couple of things that I saw coming, but other than that, but then there were other. There was one or two things that really took me by surprise that I enjoyed. Um, not that if I necessarily know what the mystery is going to be, that means I'm not going to like it. But I kind of figured parts of it out. Um, what I, I what I really liked uh, is that I I thought going in like okay, so the main character is going to be Daniel Craig. But he's almost more of a side character, and like the, the the primary detective is almost more like the the side character to solve this thing in the movie. Uh, while you take take time with like the family and spe- specifically the girl that took care of the, of the victim. Yeah, it's like she's. I love the marketing too, because like the main character isn't in any of the trailers. No, no, it was not what I expected in a good way. Indeed. Well, well that's and good. everybody was great. Uh, and this is a dumb thing, I, I, but I. I it's funny to me when you watch something like a mystery, mostly this happens on TV, but when there's like a, a, a star and you're like, Oh, I recognize that guy. I bet they're the killer like that. And that happens a lot. And this mm-hmm. one, there was enough faces that it was like, I, it could actually be any one of these people for all I know. Uh, yeah, and all, and all the actors are just having so much fun with the roles. And Chris Evans is, Clearly working through some. I was the nicest guy in the Marvel universe. Let me play a dick. I love how they had to put him in like baggy stuff because they're like, well, he's huge, so we got to put him in baggy clothes. Otherwise, everyone's gonna be like, look at this dude's fucking ripped. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I um, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I actually watched a thing. Uh, the fact that it happened to be by a filmmaker <laughs> that uh, I won't say who, but one of us is not a fan of. Ryan Johnson. Uh, Everybody knows Ryan Johnson, and I don't like the guy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, anyway, no but secret. I just wanted—I just wanted to mention that, like, I watched something because I don't watch a lot of things right now uh, outside. I have no of, idea why. <laughs> um, before before we go on to uh, the films Charlie watched in June, I too have watched <laughs> things. Ooh. Uh, uh, the new Charlie's Angels movie and Ford vs Ferrari. Um, really liked both of them. I, I don't know what I thought Ford vs. Ferrari was about, but, um, I definitely found it really interesting learning that history of, uh, Ford and the Le Mans race and, um, all that and fucking Christian Bale is just fucking insane as always. I mean, it's just, it's, he's so good in that one. It's just mind boggling how, 
how good he always is in like, especially roles like this. Like when they're like a known person and how like, like you don't see Christian Bale. Like there's no Dark Knight in that performance. You know what I mean? Like he's fully uh, uh, the character whose name escapes me. Um, Harris. Yeah, Michael it's, it's Harris. completely gone. Um, but I, I was the same. I, I was kind of uh, half forced to watch it by a friend. He's like, no, it's really good. You should watch this. It's great. And I was like, ah, I don't care about cars at all. And I don't like car racing. So I was like, this, this is not anything I wanted to see. And within the first, I think, probably 20 minutes, like, this is really good. And by the end of it, I was like, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm actually I'm not I'm the same way. Uh, I I'm not interested in any of those things, but I thought the trailers looked really interesting. I was like, all right, you know, I I haven't gone out to watch it, but I I totally would be down for it. I wouldn't mind it. Well, honestly, yeah, it's the, really good. Like, or sorry, I was gonna say the only reason I watched it was because Xbox Live was down like for hours last night, and I was like, I had nothing to do, so I was like, well, fuck it, Ford vs Ferrari's on HBO. Let me watch this. And man, it was like I said, fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a lot of great actors. Um, yeah. Really cool. It's a good story of like pushing. It's not about the car itself. It's more like pushing yourself to perfection and trying to just better yourself. So I was like, yeah, it, it, it's really well done. Yeah. It it sucks in people who don't care about cars. Yeah, for sure. and I'd also I'd say uh, the Charlie's Angels was fun. Yeah, no, I didn't. I honestly great, didn't, but it was, it was I enjoyable. Didn't know, I didn't know what I would expected out of it. I really like how they continued the franchise while also like incorporating the full history, even like the TV show and stuff like that. Kristen Stewart's character cracked me up. Like I just felt like if her character and I worked in a job, like we would just be fucking laughing constantly because she she cracked me up that movie. Yeah, really my my only problem with it was it had really weird and jarring tonal shifts occasionally, where it'd be like, "Oh, this is like a." quirky funny comedy action film oh that's, there's a really serious scene where someone just dies and the the realities of a gunfight come out where someone gets shot and it's like really intense for a scene and then it goes back to being like let's try on all these different outfits and it's fun there's like there's a weird tone shift every now and then that just comes out of nowhere and then disappears. I've, I've heard that complaint I haven't seen it uh, because you know I don't watch things but uh <laughs> I I I'm, I don't I I really actually enjoyed maybe not the, the sequel but that that uh, the the Charlie's Angel reboot the Drew Barrymore and a few minutes ago, yeah, that yeah. we actually watched that a few months ago uh, pre baby I think so it has been like it was like last year uh, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun if you guys haven't watched that one anytime recently it is worth going with. it's super dated but in like a really fun way. Uh, and also, Sam Rockwell just fucking kills it throughout yeah, the movie, he's yeah, great so, in that movie, as usual. But I do, the, I, I do want to see the I do want to see the new one. Uh, I I did hear some mixed things about it. Uh, I know Elizabeth Banks was mad about how it did, which I thought was a weird reaction. Like I understand being disappointed yeah. about it not doing well, but she seemed like pissed. Yeah, she was taking it personally. Oh, you go see Marvel films. Like the thing is, like I don't think it was. Yes, the online criticism, there's a lot of stupid, misogynic assholes, but I really think that no one wanted another Charlie's Angels film. Like, the last two are not widely regarded as classics, even though the first one's fun. And it's a TV show that's 
really dated from its time. So it's one of those, like, I don't think anyone was asking for that movie. And when it came out, everyone's like, yeah, I don't care enough to go see it. I think it, I think the, uh, the source material is a hard sell. It's nice to get a movie that is about, uh, honestly, it stars like women as the protagonists. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's nice to see more of that, but I think that despite that, having that Charlie's Angels, like, because thank you, man. Not only is the, the the last movie's dated, but then the show is dated. You've got these two things. You know, you've got these two different examples, but of what was before that. If you're not into those things, you're immediately going to have certain preconceived notions about what that movie is going to be. And, yeah, and I, that, that's what happened that with wanted- me, where I was like, I'm just not interested in a Charlie's Angels movie. Well, I, you know, I, uh, I'll i say that I felt like at the end of the movie, I was like, man, I wish there was more of this. Like, I almost wished it was a TV series, really. I think it'd be a good, like, if they put some, you know, like, some, like, Netflix or Amazon so it wasn't, like, serialized, like, normal television, but, like, more like a longer format version of the Charlie's Angels. Because I really liked how they fleshed out the universe, how it's not, like... You know what I mean? It's not just these three chicks. Like, it's a fucking whole, like, spoiler alert, Billy, but it's, like, a whole organization. And, like, I really liked how they did that. And I thought, like, I, I think it'd be a good TV series, honestly. Um, yeah. Patrick Stewart's a lot of fun in it, too. He, he chews all the scenery. Yeah. I mean, it's Patrick Stewart. This is Patrick Stewart. How are you liking the program so far? Yeah. Um. All right, let's get to... Films Charlie saw in June, some with his grandma, some without his grandma. Uh, I will I will comment on which ones were with parents and which one were grandma and which ones were myself. Now hold on. So this, how many of this? How many was it last time? How many is it this time? I'm curious. Uh, you outdid yourself. I forget how many was. It? It's 33 <laughs> this month. Um, I will pull up Facebook and check how much it was last time. I think it's mo- it was more last time. Yeah, I think you definitely had more last time. Just looking at the list, we'll be able to get through this list much quicker than last time. Not that sure, I, 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 I've already prepared myself for the idea. No, of like, no, 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 it's clear, Billy. We got, we, we already know. I got a timer. We got fifty. No, we got no, twenty-three no, you, minutes. No, That's I've, it. I've, let's go. Let's I've go. Let's already, go. No, I'm already prepared. <laughs> you, if you, you have to add more movies if it's not going to take at least two hours. <laughs> All right. Well, well, uh, I'll put on one in the background and we'll just sneak it. <laughs> I, we'll just I got, give commentary occasionally, like, oh, and Batman's going into that warehouse now. Well, I got <laughs> Girl with the Dragon Tattoo on right now. That ends at 7. Uh, which one? Uh, the the Runa Mari Daniel Craig one. The Fincher one, yeah. I yeah. really like that one. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I wish they would have continued the universe for sure with the Fincher version. Um, yeah. I tried watching the Swedish version. I really like... Uh, um, uh, Nomi Rapace, um, but I just, I for whatever reason, it didn't, it it, did, I think at the time, it, didn't get with me. I couldn't get into it. I watched both of them when uh, it came out. Like, I like the Swedish one. It's it's well acted, but I think it's it's not even fair to compare them for, like, yeah the look and quality. Like, it's David Fincher versus a Swedish movie that the sequels are made for TV. Like, they're good, but they don't have the same kind of visual polish. Mm. I didn't realize the sequels had been made for TV. I only I tried to watch the first one. The sweetest ones were, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I only watched the first one too. I never got around to 
I also I, only read the first book. It just didn't grab me the way as much. I did enjoy it, but I guess because the tone and the style, I was like, like this is good, but I don't know if it's for me. The the I read the first book and really liked it, and then I read the second one, and it, it was a physical slog to finish. And then I got about two or three chapters into the third book, and I was like, I don't need to do this. It's, it, it they just got kind of the first one was fun, interesting mystery, and then it got really into its own lore and characters and mm. building up all this connection behind them that they had their parents were enemies. I was like, this this is dumb. And I like the uh, the other vert movie they did. Uh... Uh, the one was in the spider's web with uh, uh, Stephen oh, Merchant, yeah. the dude in it. I can't think of who played. Uh, it's uh, was it Carrie Coon? It was. It's she plays in the Crown, I believe. I could be wrong. That's the fourth book, right? Yeah, I believe so. Claire Foy. I, 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 for, I yeah. forgot they made a movie out of that. I guess they did, didn't they? Yeah. I never Here. saw it. I heard it was like a, a weird, dark James Bond film. Yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like it's in the same universe as, like, the David Fincher films at all. Um, yeah, I meant to look into it. From what I understand, because, you know, it's a, it's a different writer because the original writer died while he was actually writing the third book. I think someone else had to, like, finish it. Uh, Apparently it's, like, based on a, uh, a manuscript that he had kind of put ideas into and they just took that and then expanded it okay at least that at least that's something because I, I was curious like did they are they like ripping off this dude's work because they're like oh he's dead but oh, we got a successful thing here so let's keep it going like, yeah. i remember there was like some uh legal cases after he died where someone owned the rights to the book series <sighs> but his wife had the laptop that he wrote on that had the manuscript for this book and she was like well i'm not giving you the rights to this because this is all i have left sort of thing i remember reading about that and it got sorted we're like okay well we'll give you a percent and we'll have someone rewrite like take the manuscript and update it weird things yep um Uh, all right let's let's start going down the list let's go down the list as charlie said all right so we're gonna start you said that for this month, the best uh, was a tie between The Five Bloods, the Spike Lee film on Netflix, and Another yep. Year, which is a film I don't know anything about. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like Spike Lee's one. Uh, it's on Netflix. If you, Either of you haven't seen it, I do really recommend it. It's, um, it's big. It's messy. It's like this commentary on war films it also is a really fun heist movie it's got one of the tensest sequences i've seen in a movie in a while uh that involves like someone stand stepping on a landmine and then them figuring out how to get him off without it blowing up and it's it's uh comes out of nowhere and it's just nail-bitingly terrifying uh actually fun fact i this kind of ruined me the other day i was i randomly came across a list of like tropes and movies that don't actually work in real life like that kind of thing apparently that's not a real thing like when you step on a landmine it's not like oh your weight has to, if your weight comes off it explodes like as soon as you step on it it, no, it blows it. up so yeah <laughs> it's like oh no don't ruin movies for me list <laughs> that's the only one that was like the first one i think i saw and then i stopped reading the list i was like i don't want to know this stuff yeah it's like don't tell me this don't I'm, ruin the magic and the the really cool thing about daffy bloods is uh uh I think you watched The Wire, right, Poet? Did you watch it, Billy? 
No, no. no. Uh, neither no, was the rest of the Oh, damn. Uh, two of the main actors are side characters from The Wire, so it's nice to see them not only again, but have major roles. Got you. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a really good film. It's got a lot of f- fun moments. It's uh, it's long. It's two and a half hours, but I would say it's definitely worth it. Yeah, no, I plan to see it. Uh, I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, Delroy Lindo is like one of my favorite actors. Oh, he he's incredible in it. He is because he's both the uh, kind of the main character, but also one of the main antagonists. Yeah. Because it's, it's these four uh, guys who are in Vietnam together, and this is them coming back now when they're older guys. And he, he's the one who's gone really right wing, and he wears a like Trump hat. The other guy's like, what the fuck are you doing? And it, it's the, the three of them versus him, and it, it's he's so good. <laughs> nice, nice. What is another year and... Uh... So uh, another year is by this British director called Mike Lee, who I have really been falling in love with. No, spelt differently too. It's spelt the British way. L E I G H. Um, he is really known for, uh, he's works in England. He does a lot of stage plays as well as film, but he spends months rehearsing with the actors. Mm hmm. Like where the they'll come in and they know their character and they'll just improvise in character and build up scenes that way. Like his scripts never really have dialogue; they just have outlines, and then they spend six months to sometimes a year workshopping it. Then they, when they get to filming, they know exactly what they're doing. So his films are very character driven, very well acted. Um, this one's uh, Jim Broadbent is the, one of the leads. It's about a British couple. It takes place over the course of a year. They, it's really neat how they shoot it, too, because uh, every time it switches seasons, they change film stock, so it has a slightly different color and look. Mm. And uh, it's just a character... It's a slice-of-life drama where it's this married couple, Jim Broadbent and his wife, uh, have friends over for dinner over the course of a year, and it's different people, and you start to see the cracks in their friends and they're the, they're the stable settled down people who look after their friends who are kind of spiraling out of control in their life and they're past midlife crisis and they don't know what they're doing. It's just a very uh, charming, well-acted story. Cool. Did you watch either of these with the, the rents or the, or your grandma? Uh, Death Five Bloods I watched with my parents, and both of them really liked it. And uh, another year I watched with my mom and my grandma. And, and how did they like thing. it? They both, they they both really it. liked it. Nice. Yeah, my, when my grandma was done, I was like, oh, that, that was very good. Nice. Sad. No. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 did, it did get kind of sad towards points. and uh, Not spoilers for any of the main characters, but they know someone who has a funeral in England. And there was moments like, huh, this is exactly how... I guess England just has a very standardized uh, funeral over there. So it was like, oh, this, this is exactly how my grandfather's funeral was last year. So it's just a very touching and sweet film. Cool, man. Cool. All right, let's move on to the list proper. First on it is Galaxy Quest. Fucking fantastic film. I think we all can agree we all love Galaxy Quest. Uh, it's, just, it's just comfort film. It's just oh, yeah. warm and I, fun uh, and happy. I, I love that movie. I watched it. Uh, a few months back, because I was trying to get Liz to watch it. We were looking for something to watch, and she was just kind of coming in and out of it. And, I don't know. 
Like, it, it kind of bummed me out. I was like, she's not into it. Like, which I guess I get it. You know, if you're not, if know, you weren't into I, Star Trek, I mean, I feel like this is that meme. Imagine uh, finding the uh, the love of your life and finding out they don't like Galaxy Quest. <laughs> is that a meme? Well, there's a meme, and it's all, it's like one's like. Imagine finding uh, finding the per- the love of your life and finding out they clap when the airplane lands. Oh yeah, it's like one of those type of memes. That doesn't like, well. It usually doesn't happen. There are times where like I'll think well like I'll find out she hasn't seen something or like that, and I'm like, oh what? And so we'll sit and I'll like we'll watch it and I'll get a good reaction where I'm like, yeah, this is great. But it does there, every now and then there is going to be that thing where like you know, I'm like ah ah, and she's just kind of like okay. Did either of you see the documentary about the making of Galaxy Quest? No. Yes. Yeah, it's worth watching. Wasn't that like, it was really good. Yeah. It has my favorite burn of Tim Allen I think I've ever heard. Oh, what is it? It's remember. when uh, uh, it was a scene where he has to tell uh, the guys like to explain to him like a child. We lied. That scene and. Uh, Alan Rickman was kind of coaching him on how to get to the scene, and the director kept saying, like, it really needs to be more intense. Like, re- really feel this. And they did the scene, and then Tim Allen was like, um, I, I don't feel so good. I'm, I'm feeling kind of just, like, down. I-, I need to go to my trailer for a bit. And he walked off set, and Tim Allen, or Alan Rickman looked around, and after he left said, I think our friend Tim just experienced acting for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, I can't lie. There's so many things in my life uh, that I hope I get to be Justin's long character and be like... I want you to know that I'm not a complete brain case, okay? <laughs> I understand completely that it's just a TV show. Oh, hold on. I know there's no Wait a minute. Stop, stop for a second. Stop. Wait. No ship. It's all real. Oh my god, I knew it. I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> Like one day somebody will just show up with the force powers and lightning, a uh, lightsaber, and I'll be like, "I knew it was real." I thought when you said lightning, I was like, "Are they using it on you?" <laughs> You're like blithering like, on the ground, like I knew it was real. Ah! I knew it was right. I have limited power. No. <laughs> so, a hypothetical oh, question man. for you: uh, The Millennium Falcon flies down. Door comes down. Chewie walks out and says, "Raw." And Ryan Johnson walks out next to him and says, "Come with us, p- poet. We need to go to space." I would probably what do you vomit. Do? <laughs> my my body would go. There'd be I would be so overwhelmed with conflicting emotions that I'd probably like have a, like a stroke or something. Okay. Just you just see the Millennium Falcon flying away and me laying on the ground with foam coming out of my mouth. Oh, they might take you anyway, so you could be sitting with foam in your mouth by the, like that chessboard thing, or where uh, Chewie was at when he after he got shot, and Finn was trying to patch him up. Isn't that where they would keep me, or where they put Luke after Cloud City when he had his hand chopped off and they rescued him? I mean, come on, there are parts in the Falcon where you would put somebody who was in some sort of medical need, Billy, not by know, the goddamn but, chest tape. But, what the but, fuck? I mean, but what what are they gonna do for you? Last well, I checked, monitor Ch- my vitals. is not trained in, 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 in medicine for humans. Where you don't think Chewbacca know how to take care of people as long as he's been rolling with old-ass Han Solo? Of, like, cuts and 
scrapes and stuff, not a stroke. Where you don't yeah, think, not like a complete you mental breakdown. They, you, you don't think they got technology on the Falcon that they can plug a motherfucker into to monitor old, my vitals? Old Harrison Ford is like, ah, Chewie, it's, it's happening again. That's right. <laughs> well, hold on. Put me in the I, machine. <laughs> I make, I'm making all these enraged statements in, that they should have the technology to treat a stroke when they couldn't treat a broken heart. <laughs> well, they do. Oh man, I can't believe they did. That would have worked out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just because they're on Mustafar, was it? Uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. Can you imagine, like, and I look? There's a lot of things that I've always enjoyed about the prequels, but can you imagine looking back on those prequels and being like, you know, a few years from now, I'm gonna look at it and be like, well, I guess they're not that bad. <laughs> I, yeah, was, see, I was I enjoyed the prequels when they came out, um, but yeah. I, I will say one that they just don't hold up like technology wise. When you're looking at those visuals, uh, they just are not good anymore. But I actually think Episode One is the best looking one because it's they used the least amount of CGI in it. Um, yeah, the memes. It was like though, they're still like, oh, we have to do real stuff, and by clones, they're like, nah. <laughs> The prequel means, though, are have made those movies so much more enjoyable. I, I don't know what memes they are. Any prequel meme. Hello there. Now this is pod racing. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! Do it. I mean, there's they, so they, they definitely were like the, uh, they have aged poorly technical effects wise, but they're also kind of needed to have that middle shitty looking ground to progress it all. Well, I, the problem with it is that with all the CGI in the prequels, um, you lost the realism feel that the original ones gave you. Yeah. Like, even though this is a fantasy and it's in galaxies far, far away, there was a tactileness to them that you just don't get with green screen. Yeah, and as much as I know you're not a fan of the new ones, I, I did like how much they brought back practical effects and tried to bring that same type of feel. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. They, they all look good. I, I have problems with the story and how they, uh, you know, treated the characters and stuff like that. No, I and not. I don't have any problems with, with the exception of, uh, Oscar Isaac. I didn't have any problems with the actors, at all. Um, uh, given what we, given the what they had to work with, I mean, I, I still think Adam Driver was crushing it. Those those three movies. Oh yeah, I think he's the best part of those movies. Um, I Having love, not seen the third one yet. I love still. Finn. You still haven't um, seen the third one? Yeah, it's fair. No, no. I just, uh, I'm drained on. In fact, I do. I actually, I, if I watch anything Star Wars related in the future, anytime soon, or like in the near future, it's probably going to be uh, Clone Wars. And or season two of The Mandalorian when that picks back. Well, up. Oh no, I'm definitely going to watch season two of The Mandalorian. <laughs> That's like a couple months away, my dude. <laughs> it, wow, really, dude? Yeah, this year it comes out in October. Yeah, it's supposed to be out in October, yeah. It's all shot, and that was the first, like, when all the COVID lockdowns happened, they were immediately like, don't worry, it's all filmed, we can do the digital effects. <laughs> well, they literally came out and said, it's that, coming out that... on time on in October, it will be out. 
I know that's not what you meant, but I just imagined the government coming out and being like, This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Now, I know you guys are worried about Mandalorian Season 2. Rest <laughs> assured, the CDC has told me that it <laughs> oh, will man. be coming out on time. You gotta take the little things. <laughs> oh, no, I'm man. excited about it. I'll, I'll definitely watch it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, moving on. Do the right thing next on the list. It, uh, well, hold on, remind me. What are the star rewatch? So you've already seen this one. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen that one before. This is my second time watching it. Did you? Uh, it looks like you went on a uh, a Spike Lee marathon. Not a marathon, but I definitely did. Uh, I I'd seen Do the Right Thing before, and then after I watched Defy Blood, I was like, okay, I really the big one of his was um, Malcolm, Malcolm Match, which we get to a bit down the list. Yeah, all right. So, okay. do so the there's, right there's thing. more. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking, there's one, there's there's one more. There's really a marathon so far. But. There, there's one, well, they're long movies. The Malcolm Match yeah, is long. That, that long, isn't Malcolm in a marathon. good, but it's long as fuck. Dude, long as fuck. What do you know about long as fuck? I own that movie on VHS. You had to get up when the first tape ended to put the second tape in. <laughs> and we know how much Poet hates getting up. We sure do. Um, all right, do the right thing. I mean, it's a classic. It's a great, great yeah, film. Yeah, it's, it's it it is truly heartbreaking how uh, relevant and of its time. Like it is feels like it could have been made last week. Yeah, it's still relevant. And, yeah, like literally. Uh, have you seen it, Billy? Long time ago, and all and it was like on in the background. So it was one of those things where like I know that I've seen it, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, well, like, it's spoilers for anyone who hasn't. It does end with, like, the cops killing a black guy, and he chokes out and says, I can't breathe. And it's like, huh, that, that was 1989. And, well, I'm glad that problem's not still around. Yeah. Um, uh, man. Just, I, I think that's it's it's Spike Lee's masterpiece. It's it's such a, uh, it's just a good film. Like, it's hard to kind of talk about without just gushing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I loved it when it came out. And you get that amazing scene where uh, Radio repeats the uh, his, his the rings across his finger that say love, hate, and he's, yeah. he does the speech from um, the Charles Lawton film uh, Night of the Hunter. It's like a, fr- a really creepy gothic horror suspense movie from uh, I think the 50s from your uncle Charles Lawton the <laughs> no, it's it's unfor- it, it's the actor Charles Lawton it was the only film he ever directed Robert Mitchum stars in it uh, he was your cousin <laughs> it, we're not related it's also spelt differently <laughs> your cousin Marvin Barry <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, oh man that was a great <laughs> God damn it. Oh, man. That, that, speaking of which, that is a fucking great one for the prequel meme that's just now coming around. They pulled the, uh, they pulled the, the Back to the Future line. All right. Uh, all right, this is, uh, this is an oldie, but, uh, well, it's an oldie where I come from. Hello there. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. 
but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> I, I saw a great one where it's uh, um, uh, Jim Henson being like, I'm going to release Labyrinth and Dark Crystal. Oh, no one likes it? Well, well your kids are going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. Um, Did you know of all the films in the history of filmmaking that have been filmed in New York only mm-hmm. do the right thing is has a street named for it there's do the right thing way no I other, did not know that. yeah no other film ever filmed in New York has been uh had a, a spot named for it a street name for it but do the right thing yeah. I've been pushing for Ghostbusters Avenue for a few years but so far nothing yeah uh-huh. Yeah? Come on. My son would have laughed at that joke. Your son wouldn't have understood. He would have laughed because you were I know, in I front of him making him silly faces. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like, What's Ghostbusters? Uh, you'll find it later. In a couple hear, years, I'll show this to you. All I can hear is Man of Night. <laughs> I don't know why you uh, like that so much. God, it Clearly just does. fucking destroyed me, dude. So You're the dumb. only one. <laughs> such a dumb, dumb movie title. I'll defend man my dumb Ghostbusters night. Avenue joke, but even I'm like, oh, Man of Night. What was that? <laughs> That's right. It's I, I, It was a terrible joke, and I'm shaming you every time I bring it up because it was hilarious. You, you've gotten the poet shame. Uh, all right, uh, let's move on to uh, the first attempt by Patrick Stewart at having a franchise, Dune, the 1984 version. Yeah, th- this is a... Whew, it's a film. Is this, not, this is the first time you watched it. First time, yeah. It's, uh, I, like, it's not good, but it's really, really entertaining. <laughs> I watched it as a kid. It was not a movie a kid should have watched. Especially no, a kid so who boring. was super into Star Wars. There was no action that I remember. <laughs> There's like a couple of action scenes that happen off screen where they're like, we're going to go fight and like we're going to stay here and talk about politics. Like, can we go with them, please? Right. Nobody wants to see these trade negotiations. We want to see the battle for fucking Naboo. It's it's a the cast is amazing. The sets are really cool. I like I've really been getting into David Lynch uh, the past year or two, and it's interesting to see his third film be this big colossal failure. But uh, I don't know if I will rewatch it in a hurry. Um. Uh, are you excited for the new one? Oh, yeah. Uh, Villeneuve has been pretty much... Uh, everything I've seen of him, I've loved, and it's got an insane cast. So if anyone can do it, I think he can. I am excited uh, about it. I don't uh, think I've liked anything he's done. I mean, Blade Runner 2049 is a very pretty film. Um, I just... Could yeah, I it was not right. have been less interested in it. Um, Sicario, did you see that one? I did like Sicario. Um, all right, hold on. Now, let me correct myself. I did like uh, Arrival. 
Um, yeah, it's, that's all I've seen of his so far. I've heard Prisoners is really, really good, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, that is... I don't know about that one. Um, yeah, so I like those two movies. I mean, and I think Blade Runner is like a very pretty film. Um, but... It's a, I, I, I thought it was a worthy sequel to the original Blade Runner, and I was... I didn't think that was possible, so the fact that I walked out of that blown away is like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm giving this guy a lot of trust now. Yeah, the fact that he made a boring sequel to a boring movie wasn't uh, uh, wasn't that impressive to me. I'm glad we're not in video chat, so you can't just see the tear running down my cheek. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like Blade Runner. Uh, I also thought, I mean, I, I thought 2049 was, was uh, okay. It was like a good sequel, I guess, but I just, I didn't, I don't know. I was one of those people that was like, I don't really need a, a Blade Runner sequel. You know, I think that movie by itself is, is great, and that was really all I needed. Uh, I mean, honestly, for me, I, again, I saw Blade Runner as a kid in theaters. I literally don't remember anything but the thumbing of the eyes, like that horrified me like i had seen death and stuff before but that was a level of murder that paralyzed me as a child and i don't and i think consequently uh it just was not the han solo movie i was looking for (laughs) (laughs) you're like get out of there han solo (laughs) chewie's not there to back you up um uh, all right, hold on. All right, you guys keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna go check on this baby because apparently there's some issue. Uh oh. Um. Which means he won't sleep. But hold on. Just continue. Mean, don't wait on me. Yeah, I'm, I won't be long. Bring him on okay. the show. I uh, might have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say while I didn't enjoy, uh, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy 2049. It wasn't a movie I watched in one setting. I had to like almost watch it like an hour long drama and then tap out till next Tuesday. Um, yeah, like, I, I, like I love it, but I will, I will fully admit it. It is dry and slow. Like that's kind of the tone of the original. So, which I was also, so I didn't think they would recreate that. Yeah. So that's why I was more impressed by it. The sequel I was like, Oh, this is actually like a worthy sequel to the original. And I, I was kind of like Billy was like, that film doesn't need a sequel. It, in fact, a sequel kind of hurt it. So the fact that it didn't hurt the original, it just strengthened it and was good on its own. I was like, I did not think that was possible. Um, what I enjoyed most about it was the uh, the interviews that I got with Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling as they did um, the press junket. Uh, there were two shows in particular. One, I don't know, there's a, a host of a show in uh, Britain. It's like a morning show. Uh, oh, is it Graham Norton, is it? Oh, well, no, Graham Norton is one of them. He's the, he did, they were on there as an, uh, on his show, and that was hilarious. But there's another lady, she's a lady, um, and she interviewed them uh, in the, in the, on the, her morning show, and it was just like, it was just like, it, like I can't even begin to describe how off the rails this interview was. Got these glasses in because these were from the original Blade Runner. Oh, cool. This is what they used. Beautiful. So I That's thought, you know, attention to details for fans will probably like that. That's so cool that you did that. Yeah. Are you a fan of the original? Never seen it. <laughs> 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 
I appreciate your candor. <laughs> but it was, it was just, it was so funny. And like midway through, Ryan Gosling's just like, well, I'm going to get a drink. And then he starts drinking on this morning show. And it's, it was, I, I have, if I can find it, I'll send it to you. But I would it, love to see that, yeah. But uh, did you, did you them, hear the story of um, Ryan Gosling getting punched by Harrison yes, Ford? Yeah, it's just it's absolutely hilarious. Well, on Graham Norton, they told it, and he goes, he goes, you know how they say, don't meet your heroes, don't get punched by your heroes either. <laughs> uh, he goes, so he just shows up, bottle of scotch, pours him a glass. I'm gonna keep the bottles. Like, I guess getting punched is just a shot of scotch, not a bottle's worth. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Also, I also like. He goes. He goes. The thing about getting punched by Harrison Ford is you're still getting punched. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's not fun. Your a fist connects with your face, and the fact it's Indiana Jones' fist makes it worse. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's it's like he said, it ain't the years, kid. It's the mileage. <laughs> oh man. All right, so uh, next on the list is, um, wait, we already did that one. No, no, the Lost Highway. Yeah, it was. Uh, I did this the same night. It was a, did a double bill of David Lynch. Uh, yeah, Lost Highway. It's David Lynch, uh, Bill Pullman, Patricia Arquette. Uh, it's it's David Lynch, so it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I really dug it. I think I need to see it probably at least two or three more times to understand what the hell happened in it. But without knowing what happens, I still liked it. And I have oh. theories. I can't remember. Have you watched his Twin Peaks show and then the re- yes. the sequel? Yeah, I've, uh, I watched that last summer. I went through all the Twin Peaks and then did Firewalk with me and then The Return. And uh, The Return is, I think, my favorite thing David Lynch has done. It and Mulholland Drive are really close. I tapped out on the on this on the second part of Twin Peaks. It just got too sur- like honestly, the scene where Michael Sarah showed up as the one kid as the as the kid of the two characters, I was just like I'm out. I just Yeah, it's it's not a it's so weird. I love Michael Sarah. It's just not an like, accessible guy. <laughs> It was so weird. And I think, like, to me, like, as a kid, it wasn't... I didn't understand the surrealism that maybe he was going for. To me, it was just, like, this fucking freaky murder mystery um, with these quirky characters. And and so the sequel was not that. The sequel definitely leaned into the surreal and you know i was probably too young to even understand all that at the time when that was going on yeah it's a, i saw uh, a friend of mine described it really well as like twin peaks return is if you're a twin peaks fan you probably are either not going to like it or outright hate it but if you're a david lynch fan uh you'll love it, it it's it's more of the if you like his weird surreal kind of mind-bending stuff you're gonna be very on board if you if you wanted to watch twin peaks and see how the story ended it is not for you and to, honestly to me i feel like the story ended when the series ended like i don't need like i don't need you to know on a huge cliffhanger though I, I guess maybe i don't remember that to me i guess i feel like what was the cliffhanger 
uh, the the evil Bob went inside Dale Cooper, and it, the last shot is him smashing his head against a mirror, laughing. Oh yeah, see that to me that was not really a cliffhanger. That could have. So I mean, I guess I don't know. Like I said, I was a kid. I'll tell you, that was a terrible show to watch in the uh, uh, nine to ten o'clock hour um, as yeah. a child. Uh, who then would immediately go to bed after said viewing of Twin Peaks. That was not a good look for a kid. I think it was probably like, when did that come out? Ooh, was, I am not even sure. It was... Let's see. Twin Peaks TV. Yeah. 1990 was the first show. Oh, that's embarrassing. I was much older than I, than I will admit to. <laughs> Uh, 1990, I would have been two. I was, like, I was, that was my freshman year of high school. Yeah. Well, maybe it was eighth grade, probably, so it probably started in the fall, so that would have been, yeah, no, that was my freshman year. And as a freshman in high school, that was too terrifying to watch from nine to ten o'clock and then go to bed. (laughs) It's it's, it's a mind-fucking show. (laughs) Yeah, dude, yeah, four Sure. All right, let's move on to Eddie the Eagle about the uh, British long jump skier, right? So yeah, it's a, it's a type of uh, the downhill jump where you like you go yeah, down and jump, yeah. jump over for um, it's basically cool runnings. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same Olympics. It's the same loophole where like uh, someone who is not an official Olympian realized that if he entered as that country and no one else from the country submitted, he'd automatically get in if he qualified. Um, And it's Taron Edgerton and uh, Hugh Jackman. It's, it's, it's fun. It's like, it's a really enjoyable, it it doesn't break the wheel. It's very much of the, that type of mold of, if you've seen cool runnings, you know, pretty much every single beat of this underdog sports story. Yeah. But at the same time, it hits every beat, and it's like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm rooting for you. I've seen him on um, some of the UK uh, sh- like comedy shows I've watched. I don't know if it was maybe like one of the big fat quizzes or maybe Countdown. He made an appearance, um, hmm. but I've seen him. I've so I, I, I uh, so I knew of him before that movie came out. Um, but cool. I, yeah, but I, I, I have not, not seen I, the movies. Yeah, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a like this isn't a masterpiece you need to see, but it's mm-hmm. it's really fun and um, Hugh Jackman's awesome in it. So is Taron Egerton. Like it's it's a good feel good movie where you're gonna laugh, you're gonna cheer. It's it's, uh, it's. I would definitely like. I wouldn't say you have to run out to see it, but it's definitely don't avoid it. It's good. Cool. All right, on to Parasite. The Oscar-winning film from last year, or this yep. year. It yeah, was it came out last year's year. Oscar-winning uh, for last year. It won. Yeah, it I don't know how to phrase that. Yeah, it came out in uh, just the like I think December of 2019, and then it won the Oscars this year. Yeah, and it got both best uh, international film and best picture. And, and it, it, it's worthy of all those awards and more. It's, I saw it in theaters and. Loved it, and this was, uh, I bought it for, what was it? I think I gave it to my dad for his birthday. Nice. 
And how did Pops like it? That they, he liked it quite a bit. So that, that was another one I watched that with my parents. Nice. Oh, and Eddie the Eagle, I watched with my grandma and my mom, and both of them enjoyed it. My grandma doesn't like sports, so about halfway through, she's like, well, I don't really like this. And I was like, okay, well, do you want to stop? I was like, oh, no, I want to see if he, if he gets there. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, I haven't seen it. <coughs> um, uh, it's not that I don't. I struggle with uh, foreign language because for me, I... Uh, I'm not necessarily the fastest reader and I, I have, I don't know, sometimes a measure of dyslexia where words get confused for me. So, and then also I don't like having to read and miss the performance. I wish yeah. they would just develop a thing I could put in my ear that just be like, yo, I could just be oh, yo, I'm in a Korean, put it to Korea right now. Yeah, versus I, I, I do totally get that. <laughs> um, um, it's, but it's, I've heard good things. Yeah, it, it's very good. It's I re, first time I saw it, I went in completely blind. I just I'd heard it was really good, and that I tried to avoid everything. And it's the way the story plays out. There's about three or four points where things kind of take a swerve and go in a drastically different direction than you would expect. You're like, oh, wow, so that's the twist of the movie. I'm really interested to see where this goes now. And then 20 minutes later, it's like, oh, I have no idea where this is going to go now. Cool, man. It was a fun ride. Nice. All right, on to the next one. Hard Boiled. By uh, John Woo. Uh, is is, uh, Is that a Chow Yun fat one? Yep. It's, I feel it's, like I might have seen this one. Uh, I've I'd seen it when I was like fourteen, and then had kind of forgotten about it, and rewatched it now, and I've got a lot more out of it. It's like, wow, this is just one of the best action films ever made. It's uh, the way John Woo films and shoots gun violence is really like a dance. It's just incredible, and there's a. Um, a f- shootout at the near the end of the film where they go through a hospital and uh, Chow Yun-Fat and the other guy, uh, Tony Lau, who's going to play uh, the Mandarin in uh, Shang-Chi. Nice. Yeah, he's a, he's a legend in uh, Hong Kong cinema. He's worked with Wong Kar-Wai in a bunch of his films, like uh, In the Mood for Love and Chungking Express, I believe. Um so it's the two of them, and they're like doing this big shootout against the evil gang, and they f- shoot through an entire floor of a hospital in one unbro- like long, unbroken take, where they then get into an elevator and get off on another floor, and it's the same. The shootout continues, and after I was done watching, like that was one of the like that was an amazing long take. That was two minutes long and just this huge shootout with all these explosions. I can't believe they raped two floors. I looked into it a bit. It's the same set. They get into the elevator and the crew had 30 seconds to completely set deck the set to remove all the bloodshot and uh, explosions and re-rig it so when the door opens they come out into a clean like a floor. Different set, even though they haven't yeah. even, it's just a door change. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. That's, that's insane. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, it was it was John Woo's last uh, film he made before he came over to start working in Hollywood. Mm. Interesting. Um, uh, on to Mash. At Robert Altman's uh, like Korean War 
medical comedy drama. Um, have you seen it? Yes, I also was a. I also watched the show. I never watched the show, so this was. I just heard. I was aware of it, so going into this movie was pretty blind. Um, it's good. I wouldn't say it's great. It's a comedy, and uh, th- a lot of it has aged really badly. It's it's treatment of women, especially. It's just like, oh man, that was a different time, but. Uh, Donald Sutherland's great in it. The cool cast is, and I like Altman, so it's I enjoyed it, but it's definitely uh, not the best Altman film I've seen. You can see these sparks of genius in him, but it's there's some rocky bits. Also, I'm not a huge sports guy, so the fact that this interesting comedy about uh, combat surgeons in Korea ends with a football game was just a bit of a turnoff. I gotcha. It's been a while since I've seen it. My memories of MASH are definitely more of the television show because um, my mom really liked that television show so it was one of the ones we would watch I, I watched the commentary for MASH after I watched it and it's, uh, it's really funny listening to Robert Altman where he just constantly slags off that show because yeah. he's very it was just very bitter of like that show wasn't what I was trying to do with this movie and like it goes against the tone I was trying to say and I didn't get any money from it that's his real complaint Probably. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, the sound of music. Uh, this one was with my grandma and mom, and we watched it in honor of my cat's Holly's one year anniversary of uh, coming to join us. Because mm-hmm. she, we met her. She was outside. And then uh, the day we brought her inside, we were watching Sound of Music. So it's like, oh, this is a perfect one-year anniversary. I got you. I was like, how does the Sound of Music? I was like, was this cat fleeing Nazi Germany or something like this? <laughs> well, we don't uh, know where she came from, but I don't think got so. Got you. Um, cool. And you guys, uh, Grandma and Mom liked it? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's my Grandma really likes it. Mom does. Like It's one we rewatch usually once once a year. I don't think I ever liked this movie. Again, as a kid, I was just like, ugh. You have a movie with singing and there ain't no Disney characters in it? I'm out. It's fair. I, I like musicals. Uh, it's, I, I like, like musicals too, but like for whatever reason, not this one. Mamma Mia is like one of my favorite musicals. I've seen that probably six times in theaters. And I mean like, the, it, oh. it, not the movie, the like the actual production. There's a stage play, okay. The stage play of it. I absolutely. I mean, my my mom was a big ABBA fan as a you know, so I she you know we listened to ABBA growing up. I joke when people say like, what do you, what kind of music do you listen to? I'll, I'll say everything from ABBA to NWA. Because I love Dancing Queen. Fuck it, I can't lie. Uh, There's a lot of great songs from that, but I will not knock them at all. Um, and so, uh, Mama Mia is one of one of my favorites. Saw Heckle, uh, Heckle. Saw Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway. The the when we went to New York City, that was absolutely amazing. Um, nice. And 
And matter of fact, just the other day, I can't remember. Uh, there's um, there's some. Oh, all right. So so dumb. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God! Sorry, it just makes me laugh so much. My boy Daniel, who I work with, my boy Daniel, who I work with, just knows how to get me. And so, uh, during my job, one of the things I have to do is turn um, an insufflation machine on, and this insufflation pumps. gas into uh, a patient's belly to expand it so that the cavity can be open and we can do the procedure and uh the doctor we were doing it um just goes gas on and and that's how that's how he lets me know he wants the gas on um and and my homeboy just goes no one's slick as gaston no one's quick as gaston no one's next as incredibly thick as Gaston. And just start, and I'm like, and immediately I'm like, God damn it, now I gotta go watch Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Amazing. So good. Hilarious. Uh, I mean, we have good times here, guys. Billy's back. I just like, I feel like, we can we pretend like I was here the whole time? Like, can you put in like canned talk of me? Like, yeah, that's right. Ah. I agree. <laughs> I would I would say yes, but I spent so much time shitting on you that it would just be too hard to edit that out. <laughs> oh, I was hoping that we really... could do like a thing where like you're Johnny Carson and I'm your Ed McMahon, and you just randomly put me in, being like, "Ha ha, yes." what you should really do is edit one of those in randomly like out of nowhere like not connected to what we're saying is like yeah that movie wasn't very good and it's in the background like, yes (laughs) oh man that's good shit all right let's move on to you can't take it with you all right about Uh, taking it with you (laughs) yes i mean what uh what no that's not (laughs) I mean, I haven't seen this. I don't even know what it's about, but I'm going to take a guess that that's not what it's about. It is a uh, uh, early Frank Capra film. It was, I believe, the first one he worked with uh, James Stewart. Um, it's really fun. It's this. To yeah, James Stewart and Gene Arthur are the leads, and also uh, Lionel Barrymore. <laughs> Has anyone seen uh, either? Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? Oh yeah. Um... Okay, so yeah. uh, it's most of the same cast of that. The old man Potter is weirdly the nice hero of this one. He's this kindly old man who runs this big house uh, full of sort of like misfit lost toys. There are all these people that gave up their jobs and are now just pursuing their passion. Like there's a guy in the basement who makes fireworks and another one who like a girl who's there who just writes plays. She likes to write. So it's kind of, he's built this house where he has money. He's like, yeah, just live with me. And like, we all contribute and you can work and do the art you want. You don't have to work for a bank. And, uh, Jean Arthur works, lives with him and she falls in love with James Stewart. And James Stewart is the son of the evil billionaire who wants to buy the house. And there's just kind of wacky hijinks ensue, but it's very charming, very, uh, like other Capra films, has a really s- charming, sweet ending. I-, I really dug it. Nice. Nice. Um, 
Before we move on to uh, the next movie, uh, yep, the girl with the dragon tattoo has ended, and now Predator is on. <laughs> yes. Nice. Uh, the yeah, Predator. The OG Predator. <laughs> good one. Yeah, the good one. Oh shit! They're in that same fucked up bar where the Mandalorian uh, gets trapped in at the end of season one. Ah, Mando! Oh wait, no, that's just Carl Weathers. It's a different bar. <laughs> you can't make fun of my jokes again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, on to Great Expectations. The 1946 version, not the mouse cartoon version. Um, this one is by David Lean, director who did... Uh, fuck. Doctor Chivago, uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai, Lawrence of Arabia. He was he was famous for big sprawling epics. This was one of his earlier ones. Um, the only actor I think I, either of you would know is is the first on screen appearance of a super young Alec Guinness. Hello there. Really? Yeah, it was, it's halfway through seeing him when he shows up. I'm like that actor looks. Who the fuck it? Oh my god, it's Obi Wan. Does he um, say hello there? He unfortunately does not. Damn it! But uh, it's it's really beautifully filmed. Um, it's in black and white, and they used a lot of layered types of shots. With uh, in the background would be models, and in the front would be in the middle would be the actors, and in front of them would be a different layout of models that they shot through. So it gives this really big scope and depth of London in the time. Uh, yeah, it's. Just, I watched it with my grandma. We both really enjoyed it. Oh, and uh, I should, forgot to mention, uh, You Can't Take It With You was also with my grandma, and she loved it. Nice. Yeah. Um, all right, on to Anatomy of a Murder. This one's good. This one is pain. It is a bit of a... It's long. It's nearly three hours. Uh, it's Otto Preminger directed it, and James Stewart stars in it. Uh, it's probably one of the best courtroom drama ever made like it's it set up the basic like archetype of the whole genre like james stewart literally near the end at one point says well i'm just an old country lawyer but i'm trying and it's like oh oh that's where this is from <laughs> Funny. Um, what do you think also, aside from the sorry go ahead uh it's also pretty cool because it was uh gotten a lot of trouble when it was originally came out because it was one of the first film because it's a film dealing with a trial where uh, a guy murders a bar owner because the bar owner uh, raped his wife and there's a lot of sayings and or terms that were used in this film to clinically describe an assault and legal matters that had never been said in a film like an american film before so it actually it got in some trouble with decency people like you can't say panties or sperm in a film and it's like well how else are you going to describe like an assault aside from this one what would you say is your favorite courtroom drama film uh hmm this one's up there we're going to come down to, further down the list there's another one that i saw that was pretty good but ed if i've seen this is probably the best one i'd say gotcha billy what would you say your favorite courtroom drama is uh, I gotta tell you, I've never thought about it. 
<laughs> I feel like I Hold really on. hope you have an answer ready so that yeah. I can... Here, let me. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, we go with the greatest courtroom drama of all time. My cousin Vinny. Oh, that is a good one. I mean, yeah. Any any courtroom oversaw by Herman Munster. Uh, uh, to what? Uh, uh, what was that word? Uh, what word? To what? What? Did you say utes? Yeah, two utes. What is a ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two youths. I'm definitely gonna. I'm a fan of that courtroom. Would you uh, count a, a Twelve Angry Men as a courtroom drama if it's all in the? Like, I would. Box? I would count it because I was gonna add Twelve Angry Men to that list because that is a that is a great i don't typically like um i don't know what it is but like i feel like movies before star wars i don't really have that much interest in there's like a handful of movies i'll see that came out before star wars like but pretty much movies before i was born i struggle with finding enjoyment in um i don't know why not that same way with television um Cause like I love Leave It to Beaver, I love Happy Days, like I love you know I love Lucy was like the show my go to when I would when I was a kid, um, but f- films I've always struggled with, but I fucking love the uh, OG um, the OG uh, Twelve Angry Men. Um, also, A Few Good Men is a good one. I actually just uh, I was uh, I was listening to. Um, an old, I don't know, I can't remember if it was Nerdist or ID10T, uh, but Chris Hardwick's podcast where he interviewed Rob Reiner. And Rob Reiner was talking about um, uh, A Few Good Men. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! <laughs> yes. And how, um, uh, I can't think of who wrote the play for A Few Good Men, but he was talking about how some of the stuff that they worked through that uh, that uh, from the play into the movie, the author rewrote, reworked into the play because he liked what they had done in the movie. Like, um, like the stuff with, uh, for instance, if you've seen A Few Good Men, the stuff with um, if he if the if the victim was going to be uh, transferred to another place, why hadn't he folded the clothes? Um, and then like the stuff in the courtroom in the play, Colonel Jessup just, uh, admits that he, you know, did this thing. Whereas in the movie, they have the added drama of the two airmen who maybe knew that there was another flight and would, would possibly testify against him. And so it added the pressure. And, um, so it was interesting to say, like, to listen to him talk about how in this particular case, like they did this and made these changes and the author was like, yo, those are some good changes. Let me work those into my, the play version of it. It's like, that made it better. I'm going to take that. Right. So I would say those are probably my three of the three. If I were going to list three top three, those would be my three. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever seen the whole movie, but is a time to kill the one where, Sam Jackson's like, yes, they deserve to yep. die, and I hope they burn in hell. Yep, that's another good yes, one. Yes, they deserved it, and I hope they burn. That's <laughs> that was the one I was talking about down the list. Oh, uh, we we will just it is. knock that one off. That was yeah, fun. Get, that's that's such a, a, 
that's a it's such a um, time capsule of the '90s. Like my God, the ending they wrap it up where Matthew Gane goes to the the cookout and he just had solved racism. Yeah. <laughs> so oh no, it's very. That's... It's, it's a, yeah, that's how what? the book ends too. I, I read the book and it's it's pretty good uh, up until the end where you're just kind of like, wait, that's it? <laughs> yeah, like, the movie this was also really a Grisham good. novel. It yeah. is a Grisham novel. Yeah, I just and it, it, it was his, his first novel. novel that was published. I yeah, I, I watched the film because it was uh, it's Joel Schumacher. It was his. Uh, it was the one he made between Batman Forever and Batman Rob. It was his like this is for me project. How um, did he, how did he bookend? This movie with those two movies, god damn! He was like, "I'm gonna go do a project for me, then come back and do the toy commercial." Uh, it was like it was really good. It was it was long. Um, the there's a couple moments where you're like, "That's that's dated as fuck." But aside from how uh, black and white to the, the issues were, it's like. These are the evil white people. They're in the Ku Klux Klan. They are terrible. These are the good ones that are helping. It, it was, there was no moral ambiguity of the whole thing, but it was still, it was fun. And I, I watched it for Joel Schumacher of like, yeah, he just passed away. And watched yeah, I one think of, it's worth. We should probably mention favorite Joel Schumacher movies, guys. Do you have a favorite? Um, let me let me look look the man's uh, career up. So. So um, not Batman and Robin. We're just gonna go say that. Not that one. <laughs> not that one. I do like. I enjoy it. It's it's not the worst Batman film. Batman I Forever. I enjoy has Batman a, Forever. Batman Forever has a deep, like a soft spot in my heart because that was the second film I ever saw in cinemas, and like it it it's okay. Lost Boys is pretty great. Falling Down's enjoyable. Falling Down's I good. loved yeah. Lost Boys as a kid. God damn. Your creature of the night, Michael. Just like out of a comic book. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Will you wait till mom finds out, buddy? I fucking love that movie. My, my mom loved that movie. She loved that sax playing dude. Yeah. <coughs> um, Going through his uh, IMDb here. I, uh, actually, A Time to Kill fuck. might be his best. DC Cab, St. Elmo's Fire. God damn, this motherfucker did it all. He was a really good, like, workman director. Oh, you know what? I haven't seen it in a few years, but uh, I forgot that he directed this. Phone Booth was a movie that I really enjoyed. Back that in is the a early fun 2000s. movie. It's way better than you think it would be. What, uh, uh, Larry Cohen wrote the script for that. Um, I know the name, 70... but I don't know why. He's a was a 70s director, writer, kind of... Uh, let me look up his full career. I just watched... His name's in my head because uh, another one on the list is I watched is God Told Me So, which is a really fucked up movie where a Catholic cop is following these random shootings that happen where someone will just go nuts and do a mass shooting. And then when they arrest him, he's like, why'd you do it? God told me to. And then the the cop starts having visions from God telling him to start doing it. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's kind of like uh, that. You remember that movie with uh, Bill Paxton? And I think Matthew McConaughey was in it too. Uh, yeah, so uh, what's the older it? frailty or something? frailty? I think it's frailty. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's, that's an a awesome good one. movie. Bill Paxton directed that. He did. I forgot. You're, that's right. Uh, Larry Cohn did a lot of TV, and then his bigger movie. Uh, he did the stuff. Um, Q, the wind, wing serpent. 
the only ones I've seen of his are the stuff, and now uh, God told me to. He also wrote Maniac Cop. He's got he's been on the fringes of a whole bunch of '80s genre stuff for a while. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Phone Booth is actually kind of one of his biggest successes. Um, yeah, that's one of those movies that I kind of forget about, which is weird because I actually think it's a pretty good movie, or at least I remember it. I mean, maybe I'm I'll watch it again sometime, and I'll be like, oh wow. Gonna, I haven't seen it in a while, but last time I saw it, I was like, it holds up. It's fun. Um, I'm going to say my favorite Joe Schumacher movie is the Anthony Hopkins, Chris Rock, Bad Company. Oh, Wait, movie. did he do that? <laughs> yes. Seriously? That movie's not so great. Uh, that movie's fantastic. Let me set the premise for you. That movie's not bad either. It's, it's fun. I remember uh, it has a cool moment that actually does pop into my head from time to time where... There's a shootout in the hotel that they're staying in, uh, and one of the guys is—he's not dead yet. He's like still on the ground, and Anthony Hopkins is just walking past him, and he just shoots him one more time as he does to kill him, <laughs> and doesn't even look at. It. Just like a really cool man. Uh, wouldn't fuck with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Who is for some reason in the CIA? You—I I just out of curiosity, that is the reason you wouldn't fuck with Anthony Hopkins, not that he might serve you up. To a dinner party? I don't, you know, this is going to, maybe, maybe this is going to sound weird. I don't see him as Anthony Hopkins in those movies. He's Hannibal Lecter. Uh, You know what I mean? I don't see Anthony Hopkins. All I see is Hannibal Lecter is what I'm saying. (laughs) See, I don't have that That movie with Chris Rock and Hannibal Hannibal in my head. Yeah, I mean that, I actually have been, now that it's on Netflix, I've been hipping people to watch that, watch it. It's so good. Everyone watched it on Netflix, so they make a fourth season. <laughs> so, well, the the you know that the the people. So, do you know the that they the reason they only did the they have three seasons and it doesn't cover the Silence of the Lambs is because they was the right they didn't own the rights to that, and the people yeah. who own the rights didn't want to allow them to do to use that, um, and now they're doing their own Silence of the Lambs TV show. I'm really annoyed about that, but yeah. Very, very annoyed so, by that. Like, because that be so Hannibal, that Hannibal, so, but honestly, I don't know if them having Silence of the Lambs would have been good because I think them not having it forced them to do stuff with those characters that they maybe would have not done um, yeah, I, I agree had, there. Had it, they it made had them the, be more creative. Yeah, well, they essentially just substituted the Clarice Starling role and just ex- and and essentially gave it to the Ed Norton character from Red Dragon. That character is the yeah. is the main antagonist to Hannibal in the Hannibal series, and they just kind of transitioned his character into her character. And I thought both of them were brilliant. Um, I love that they had uh, uh, Fishburn in there. I fucking, I mean, I'm a Fishburn fan since fucking Pee Wee's Playhouse. So, uh, I mean, that's so direct. I'd be like, I'm a, I'm a Fishburn fan since uh, Night of the Nightmare on Elm Street Three, Dream Warriors. <laughs> hey, he is awesome in that. I mean, dude, is I, he? I think it's only in like two scenes. And he was, and he rocks, fantastic. <laughs> Um, 
Uh, all right, but moving on to uh, the next movie on the list, and not the 18 movies we just went to that were not on the list. I know, like for every movie on this list, we talk about six others. <laughs> oh, man. All right, it just let's keeps, see. like, spro- <laughs> right? Uh, next one would be Experiment in Terror. Yes. Uh, like, this is... Uh, uh, what? I was about to interrupt you, but I stopped myself. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> you were going to say something, uh, weren't you? All right, all right. Exper- uh, what is it? Experiment of Terror? Go. Uh, all right. Directed by Blake Edwards. It's the film he followed up, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. It stars uh, Leah Remick, who she was in uh, Anatomy of Murders, which is why I checked this one out. Uh, it's interesting neo-noir. It starts out incredibly strong. Like uh, The opening scene is this girl returning home, and she gets into her garage, and it's dark and shadowy, and an unseen guy grabs her and it's just a close up of her face with this uh, it's shadowy assailant holding like a, a hand around her neck and whispering in her ear. You have, I, w- you work at a bank. You are going to steal money for me. I have killed before. If you do not do this, I will kill your sister and you. And then if you call the cops, I will be back. And then he just leaves. And she goes inside, shaken, and is like messed up. She picks up the phone and calls the police. And he shows up again, says, "I told you not to do this." And like, it just the movie is her paranoia and fear of this unseen. We don't, we never see his face until the end. If you don't know who it could be, so every single male character she runs into in the movie, it's like, is this guy just hitting on her, or is this the killer? So it adds a whole layer of tension and fear throughout it. It kind of gets a little weird towards the end, a little disjointed, but it's. It's worth checking out, and it has a really strong opening. Nice. Uh, go ahead and tell tell us about the next one on your list. I'm not even going to try to pronounce this French name. Uh, Le Age or it's or the Golden Age. It is a 1930 film, uh, first feature film by uh, Louis Bunuel. It's the only film of his I've seen. He was a very famous surrealist director, uh, so much so that this was actually co-written by Salvador Dali. Wow. Uh, it's they co-wrote it together but then they got into such a huge argument that salvador dolly tried to show up on set to help direct and the lewis Bunuel chased him off the set with a hammer and they never worked together again should have put on uh, one of those dog masks from the island of moreau right billy <laughs> oh yeah that uh, I, was, I was actually funny i was thinking of it earlier we were talking about the galaxy crest uh, documentary charlie if you haven't watched the uh documentary about richard stanley trying to make uh, the isle of dr moreau Check that I one out. That one. I've heard of the, some of the nightmares on set, but I haven't seen the full doc. It's yeah, I, I'd heard a lot of the stories, but seeing them like told from the people on set is like that. It, it's definitely worth watching a lot more than the actual movie is. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Golden Age is. It's. I'm glad I saw it as a piece of history. It is only an hour, and I think it's like an. Yeah, it's an hour and two minutes long, and it was a slog to finish. So I. I only recommend it as a interesting piece of history. Nice. So not Sabone. Yeah. Next one is Down to Earth from 1947, a Rita Hayworth musical. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to make a guess on what Poet's going to say. He's going to make a joke about how you did not watch the one starring Chris Rock. <laughs> no, but... The, 
Down to Earth is this is a weird fucking bit of Hollywood trivia. Down to Earth is a sequel to a movie called uh, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which I actually ended up watching later. Uh, Here Comes Mr. Jordan is the first Hollywood movie about a guy going like dying, going to heaven, and then coming back, which has been remade many times, including the Chris Rock Down to Earth. <laughs> So uh, uh, this one with Rita Hay- it's Rita Hayworth is a star. It is not good. It is entertaining <laughs> to watch. I watched it with my grandma. She also has the same like that wasn't good. I had fun though. Uh, the only <laughs> song that I would that that is, uh, I got it. Yeah, that is like such an older person thing to say. Like that wasn't good, but I had fun. <laughs> yeah. The the thing I uh, will recommend checking out is YouTubing a song called I think it's This Can't Be Legal and it is hysterically bad of uh, a character in the movie who is teasing two guys and she wants to marry both of them and it's uh, yeah you, you gotta watch it and see this clip it's hysterically I can't believe this was made in 1947 would you say the, the film- worst musical number in a movie? Oh, no, not the worst. It's, it's the only watchable one, but it's just so like, this is a song about polyamory, and you're... In 1947. Like, yeah, and it's like weirdly pro. Uh, yeah. What so would you say the, the worst musical number in a movie is? Ooh, it's probably something of Cats. Really? All of Cats. I say I haven't seen Cats, so I don't know. I was, the first one that pops into my mind, have you guys seen Holiday Inn? Oh, no, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they well, they edit it now. If you were to watch it on TV, this scene is not in it. But basically, Holiday Inn is like, it, take, it takes place over the course of like a year. And every holiday, they have like a big show kind of thing. And so at the holiday, like the, the musical number they have is related to the holiday. So for President's Day... <laughs> They do a number about Abraham Lincoln, and they're all in blackface while they're singing the song. It's horrifying. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. oh, how did no one tell you that? Yeah. Hey, like, it's oh god, it's just oh my god. Now, do you get look that scene up? Look at that, and just it's. Oof. Uh, the only thing I will say that is of worth of uh, here comes Mr. Jordan. Aside from it's kind of neat to see the start of. Uh, that trope is that the angel in that film is played by uh, Claude Rains, the villain from Casablanca. It's like, oh, it's fun the to see him. Man. Yeah. Uh, what else is nice. next on the list? I, I did a big stretch of. You could cook. If only you could cook. This is. Um, what was the only you could cook? It was a kind of a screwball comedy from, I think, like night, the in the 30s. It starts Gene Arthur and I forget the other guy's name. Basically, uh, Gene Arthur is an out of work person like it's during the depression and she's trying to get by she finds an article uh, a job that she can do where she has to be a uh, like work in a uh, house as a servant for a bootlegger and but it needs two people it needs a guy and a girl so it needs a girl to be the waiter and a guy to be the butler and she meets this dude in a park sleeping on a bench and she thinks he's also poor like hers like oh come help me but it turns out he's a rich millionaire and he's he's kind of infatuated by her, so he's like, "Yeah, I'll help you be a butler." So we asked his butler to give him pointers on how to do it. It's it's dumb. It's a screwball comedy, but it, it was fun. Cool. Um, yeah. Next up, nineteen seventeen. 
1917. This is my second time seeing it. Uh, got it to watch with my parents. They were both blown away by it. Uh, I, I love it. I think it's just visually, it's it's truly stunning. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I want to. I watched. I, there's a group on YouTube I watch called the Corridor Corridor Crew. Um, they are a uh, special effects and stunt. Group. Oh, I, I watch them sometimes. They're really cool. Yeah, they have really they have two things that I really like, which is uh, uh, stuntmen react and um, VFX artists react, and they take you know somebody from those disciplines, and they talk about what's happening in a particular film, and it was interesting uh, watching them talk about how they uh, made that film look like it was done in one take and some of the transitions that they, how they did. And then they broke them down and kind of showed you uh, where you could, if you were truly looking, you could see sort of where these transitions were. Um, I'm, I'm looking yeah, forward to seeing it. it like, like I saw a couple, one. but there's, yeah, it, it's, I would say the second time you watch it, look for the transitions. The first time, like the, the, the way you get sucked into their story and, yeah. The continuous camera move just really puts you in their shoes. And I, I've seen it twice now. And the, there's a moment in the end where I nearly have a panic attack both times. Like, it's just so intense. <laughs> Interesting. Billy, have you seen it yet? Or, no, why did I ask that? Man, I would love to say yes to make you feel like an asshole. But no. All right, on to the next one, Malcolm X. We uh, it's, a it's, bit about as it. we talked, it's really good. It I is mean, very very long it's three and a half hours but it's it's worth it i i think do the right thing and death five blood i'd rank as slightly better films from spike lee but it's very important and denzel's goddamn amazing in it i can't remember i think like he has he has some insane amount of screen time in that film um i think he it might be like one of the longest screen time performances for like an, a single actor in a film. Well, uh, I think he's in like he, literally in every like scene. Almost every scene. Uh, fun fact, John David Washington, that's his first film. Yeah, he's one of the kids in this class, right? Yeah, he's one of the kids in the class at the end. And then he, years later, he, he worked with uh, Spike. He did Black Klansman. Which was... A fucking great movie. I, I indeed, I really liked it. Um. Uh, on to uh, the next one, Bone Tomahawk. This is one I had been wanting, wanted you to see because I wanted to get your impressions of it. Uh, what did yeah, you think? So, uh, my first thing, I'm really sorry, I didn't like it. I. I I liked it more than I thought. I don't know what I don't know what I thought I was getting like, into. I think I thought I was just getting into a Kurt Russell Kurt Russell Western and not this like weird horror movie. I like I like the horror elements. I think uh, Kurt Russell's great. Richard Jenkins is incredible. I thought uh, I really liked everybody in the movie. I think yeah, the cast the cast is really good. My my problem with it is um like. Westerns kind of inherently have a bit of a issue with how they portray natives and yeah, a I lot of that. 
like a lot of older westerns uh, that John Ford did towards the end of his career kind of grappled with this. And like in the 50s and 60s, they already sort of dealt with the fact that they were pretty shitty to natives. And then this film doubles down on it. Like it makes them even these horrific savages. And it sort of uses, I don't think it was intentional. I think it's more the fact that it's just, it was so tone deaf of them being like i want to make a western and like the the natives are always evil in those old ones so i'm going to do that but i'm going to make them really evil and they'll be cannibals and they they had just sort of a blend of any single in, native person from like around the world that had like aztec stuff mixed with a like north american it was very so that kind of graded me the wrong way a bit like i was trying i was trying to like okay let's just take that out and enjoy it as a horror western and there's good moments there but i guess i i wanted a western that com did a bit more with it i got you i got you yeah i honestly i didn't pick up on that i don't mean i don't think i don't think i really even picked up that on that they were supposed to be natives i just thought they were like crazy cannibals um i've only really watched it the one time because like uh, aside from the fact that i enjoyed sort of the um, like the, like the acting and the actors, um, definitely not a movie I would go back to. But yeah. And like, I, that's kind of how I felt at the end is like, I enjoyed moments, but also like the ending, which I liked the horror elements throughout, but then when it got to the end, it got like saw level gory or like hostile. It, it just felt, I don't mind gore, but I don't, super light gore that doesn't feel like it fits the film it, it felt like it just kind of showed up to be like hey this is shocking and gross not this is helping tell the story <clears throat> yeah no that that scene was crazy i don't know i didn't i mean i don't know I, it was one of those things where i was just like oh, god damn yeah, um, and then that was it for me so uh you know i yeah. like i said looking at the big picture uh, probably I would have done done a lot of stuff differently, but yeah, it was just one of those things. I was like, "Well, that was an experience. I don't know what just happened." Yeah, I, I agree there, and, and Kurt Russell was really all, all of them were, yeah. but yeah, I, I I liked it, but I didn't love it, and I, I I went in kind of hoping to like it more. I think. I, and I honestly, the thing that kept me going were those performances, really. Yeah. Um, also, I, I hate Matthew Fox, like, just from the Lost Days. So the fact that he's in there is a horrible, shitty character. is like, just go away. <laughs> um, all he right, doesn't I'll, even have a great death. I never watched Lost, so I don't have a Matthew Fox problem. Fair. Um, on to the ex-Miss Bradford. Uh, so this is another uh, Gene Arthur screwball comedy. Um it stars. I haven't seen the Thin Man series, but it stars the actor from that. It's uh, my parents a, love those movies. It's a really fun. Uh, so, Mr. Bradford is this really rich uh, surgeon, and Gene Arthur plays his what ex-wife, Mrs. Bradford, who uh, is a writer of murder mystery novels, and he, someone, a jockey at a race, is killed. And uh, Mr. Bradford is asked, like, can you examine the body? It doesn't seem normal how he died. And she's like, oh, this is a murder mystery. Let's let's solve this. And he's constantly like, no, dear, we're divorced. We're not doing this anymore. And it's the two of them bickering and solving the murder. And it's, it's just fun. Nice, nice. 
Um, um, on to uh, Phase Four, which is not the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase Four. I'm presuming it is not. It is okay. the only film made uh, directed by uh, Saul Bass, who is famous for doing uh, a lot of uh, really iconic titles throughout film he worked with hitchcock a lot um if you've seen her uh, like what is, i'm trying to think some of the best examples like psycho and uh, a lot of really interesting uh, vertigo he did a he had a very distinctive and interesting style where he'd do opening credit so he's a very visual uh, guy and this movie is about ants who become super intelligent and then start uh attacking a small town and it's following this two scientists who set up a base to figure out what's going on. Uh, it's both really good and terrible because the acting in it is utterly awful and just brutally, almost unwatchably bad. But the way it's shot and edited, because he was really good at patterns and color and tone, it looks really awesome. And it's an interesting story. And all the uh, ants is actually like real micro uh, camera footage of, ants in nature so it looks cool but it's very badly written and why do you what explain to me why you continue to watch these terrible films well if i get into it I'm like well it's interesting i want to see where it goes and like it, it, it would looked cool and i enjoyed it but it was like halfway through I'm like i also don't like uh not finishing a movie i like to get to the end because a terrible movie might have an amazing ending yeah i know what you mean uh, I've been watching uh, uh, Naruto, uh, Naruto, and uh, it's fucking long, as, as a lot of those like anime series are. There's like hundreds of episodes. And are you, are big, you to the adult version yet? Uh, I'm getting there. I've got like 200 episodes left, so like he's Jesus. he's like 17 now. Uh, but you know when they you have the shows going on at the same time as the as the book. You know they have these filler episodes uh, that aren't technically like part of the storyline that they were doing in the books, but they have to fill the time until the books come out. So a lot of people I've read online when I'm like looking at stuff to watch, and you know they're like, "Oh, you can these are these are the filler episodes. You can skip them. You know they don't have to do with the story." But at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to skip. You know, like once you start watching something, I'm like. Whether it's a movie or a TV show or something, I'm like, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. Uh, a yeah, book like, is a little wanna... different for some reason. Like, I can stop reading a book after a hundred pages or so, and I'm like, all right, this isn't for me. But I don't know. Once I'm watching a movie and I'm and I'm in it, I'm like, all right, this is what two hours of my life. I can take. I can handle that. And I always feel like I have this like I don't want to let it win. If it's bad, like I want to get to the end and see all of it and see what worked and what didn't. And like I don't want to just stop. <clears throat> Uh, and, but the reason I brought up the filler thing is just because a lot of people will say, like, you can skip anime fillers, and there's actually a lot of really interesting stuff in there uh, with, like, character stuff that normally, that if you just skipped that and paid attention to just the story, you wouldn't get you wouldn't get everything out of it, you know? Yeah. It's like you read all the plot points, but it's not the whole film. <laughs> um, I, I've never walked out of a film, but, like, if, I, if I'm at home watching a film, like, on HBO or... Netflix or something I haven't seen, and I'm like, I tried to watch Haywire, and that opening fight, I was just like, yeah, I'm not into this. And so I tapped out on Haywire. <laughs> uh, 
I came close to walking out on a film once. Oh, that's not true. I knew I was going to sit through the whole thing. I shouldn't say that. I've never walked out on a film. Was it uh, Luther? <laughs> no, no. I remember when I went to go see The Last Airbender, I was like, oh. This oh. Is- nah, I know uh, you got past the trailers on that. So I don't. You know, I like going to the movies with people. Like it's it's a fun social thing for me, which is like rare since I'm so such an introvert. That is the only movie I've ever been by myself to see, and it was because we were going to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, so I was like, well, I got to see it because you know we're going to talk about it. So before I was going to go into work, I was working at like two, so I went to like an eleven thirty showing, so that when I would, I would get out in time for work. Uh, and this was when me and my first girlfriend had broken up, so like shortly before this. So it was like, not only am I like in just like a bad mood, now I'm watching this movie that I was looking forward to, and it is such a shitty movie. <laughs> and I got to go to work after. Like, uh, fuck that, that movie. That's, it's, it's, it's atrociously bad. Oh, God. It's so bad. The scene where they're like, the earthbenders or like they they're all fi- they do like a weird dance or something to fight to and then like one little boulder comes up to fight uh yeah it's, it's so garbage. bad it's just i i don't understand i don't know, um, i don't mean to be that guy but can we just rewind this to the beginning of this story where you said you watched it because you were going to talk about it on the podcast, which of course we're talking about Redcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't you watch things for our podcast? Uh, because at the time I was, I mean, I didn't have a child. I was, oh. I was single. Uh, so what you're saying is you're blaming Liz and Booker. Two of the most precious human beings on this earth. No, I'm saying that they take priority over a podcast. Just think you need to have. There needs to be a measure of accountability, Billy. Uh, also, at the t- also at the time, I just I I seriously would I, I can't do the kind of watching now that I did then just because of my mindset. Like I remember back then. Because uh, I still lived at home, actually. This was before I even moved out of my parents' house, I think. I could seriously sit and watch movies and TV shows all day long. And what the hell does that sound? That was me wrestling? Sorry. I knew it. Um. Uh, but I, I can't... I, if I if I sat around like and watched... like If I if I sat around all day and I watched like a whole TV show or watched like a whole movie or something... What, I feel you, real shitty about it. I feel like I've wasted a lot of time. Yeah. Because there's so many other things I want to do and I yeah. have to do now. You're yeah, wasting you're, time you're watching father. Naruto and not watching shit that we could be talking about on our show. You're but worried about watching the filler episodes of Naruto because you're like, I don't want to miss anything. I don't because I like the characters. But also, that's different because that's the kind of shit I can have on in the background and not really have to pay too much attention to what's going on. Oh, Nothing exactly. against that show. I really like it. But it's not like it's the deepest thing in the world. I can have it on and I can do all the other things I need to do, like whether I'm walking Booker around or I'm cooking or I'm cleaning, which is pretty much a major part of what I, I do on a daily basis. I'm the wife in my relationship. This is unacceptable. Uh, which is cool. basically awesome. I actually really like I like being a stay-at-home husband. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, you got like the best deal out of this. You get to spend all the time with him, and like, it's great. Oh, well, actually, I say that, but I mean, Liz is working it from home. 
right now for the foreseeable future anyway. So it's not even yeah. as difficult as we thought it was going to be because I was worried about what it was going to be like the first time she had to leave and be gone for work all day. And it was just going to be me and him, you know, for nine hours. But that's never happened. So. Yeah, the, the world locked us all home. Silver linings of a terrible situation. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I, I find right, I nothing, none of these excuses is acceptable. Billy, I just want you to know that. Okay, so look, you uh, you told me about Bone Tomahawk, Bone Tomahawk, and I was like, like, okay, I'm not gonna watch that. Yeah, that's the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't, it's just it's so hard for me to like sit and watch something uh, a lot yeah, of times. Yeah, whatever. You just literally it just said really about how is. you got 200 episodes of Naruto left, and you can't wait to watch all 200. We get it. Fuck Jedi, Jedi Poet and his podcast. On to another year. Hey, starring... hey, hey. How, come, how come you don't watch what I watch? What about that? Why don't you watch what I watch? You want to talk about that? Because I've already watched Naruto. Let's, so let's watch Knives Out. We'll talk about that. <laughs> you know I ain't going to watch that trash film. <laughs> ah, okay. So it's okay. You don't you know do. it's a trash film. It's a I, good film. No, it's a trash film because <laughs> I know the trash director that fucking wrote and directed it. He's trash. And I'm flummoxed every time you guys try to defend him. You guys remember uh, in Billy Madison, there's the scene where he's calling people and apologizing, and he calls Steve Buscemi, and he's like, okay, I'm sorry, and he like goes over people to kill list, and he crosses Billy Madison out. I feel like I like to imagine Ryan Johnson has a list of people to kill, and Jedi Poet is at the top of that list. I don't know why he knows who you are, but he's going to get one day. <laughs> Ryan Johnson is one of the like exclusive listeners of this podcast. <laughs> it's probably because I call him Rain Johnson because he made me cry. Oh. Um. Also, let's uh, let's power through a couple of these. I do. I have to go look after my dear sweet grandma at one point. All right, we got another year. Uh, well, we went over that a bit at oh, okay. the start. Um, it's really good. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 we already did that one. Ah, we did that one. Skip it. Uh, what was next? A big hit. Uh, a big heat. The big heat. Big, big heat. All right, it's a fun story with this one. Speed I watched around. this last year. <laughs> I watched this last year. I totally forgot until halfway through watching it this time, and I was like, why do I... Why do I remember every single scene that Gloria Graham is in, and I can't remember anything else? Oh, I watched this. It's okay. Uh, it's by Fritz Lang, the direct uh, German director who did like M and Metropolis. Uh, he's the inspiration for Blofeld. <laughs> he was a really mean-spirited person. His noirs. He hates everyone, but he especially hates women. <laughs> it's a it's a mean-spirited film, but for for a film hard-boiled gritty cop noir, it's fun. Uh, Lee Marvin is truly psychopathic as the bad guy. And there's a scene where he scalds Gloria Graham, his like super obnoxious girlfriend's face with a pot of hot coffee that is legitimately upsetting <laughs> and horrifying to watch, even for a film made back then. God, that sounds awful. Yeah, it's it's it. Ha he walks like he slaps her. She falls out of frame. He picks up the pot of coffee and like walks towards her and pours it off frame and it cuts to another room where they're playing cards and you just hear her scream and it is legitimately upsetting it is one of the few films from that era that in england is still banned or not banned but has a like r rating oh man 
One of my favorite yeah. scenes from Jessica Jones uh, in the first season is when David Tennant tells the guy in the park uh, who's like giving him a hard time, and he's like, "Pick up that coffee, throw it in your face." I say favorite, but it's because it's just so fucked up that I'm like, it, it really stuck with me because I'm like, "Oh God, I can't imagine." Like I'm such a bitch. If I were to pour like a little bit of coffee onto my lap, I, I it, my day is ruined and I'm gonna be burned, hurt. He was terrifying in that show. He was. Uh, he's so. He's so great. Just everything that I see him in, even things that aren't particularly like the the best as far as like movies or TV shows, he's always excellent in. He's a great actor. Yeah, I, I, he's always enjoyable. All right, let's speed round up. Uh, I'm gonna hit out uh, Amelie as well. Super charming French film. Uh, have either of you seen it? Never seen it. No. But I have like three or the four of the songs from it, and I fucking love the piano music in it. Uh, it is just beautiful. It's whimsical. It's charming. It's high- I highly recommend it. Both myself and my grandma loved it. Um, yeah, it's I I'd seen it once when I was a kid. It'd been a really long time since I'd watched it, but uh, it holds up. It's great. And the interesting story about that: the guy who plays her boyfriend directed another movie on this, Lahane. And Lahane is a completely, totally different movie. It's a Lahane is a, a translates to uh, hate or the hatred depending and it's a 1995 film about uh three young guys living outside of paris and kind of the the immigrant slums around the edges of the city where it's a jewish guy a muslim guy and a uh, black guy walking around paris they're walking around paris the night after a riot Oh, You're gonna feel oh, yeah. for laughing at this. Oh man! Oh man! This, this is why I love Billy, man. This is why I love Billy. I, I uh, like the way that we entertain each other. It's like it's only funny to the two of us. I just imagine the ten people that listen to this podcast sitting in silence, waiting for us to get done laughing at this dumb fucking joke. Oh uh, man! Oh man! To get into the serious matter, it's about, uh, it's the day after a huge riot protest because police killed a, uh, uh, or beat up the guy in custody so badly he had to go to the hospital. And uh, it's just them kind of going around and it's a a very explosive, uh, upsetting film, but it's incredibly good. Nice, nice. How was Eurovision Song Contest? The story of Fire Saga. It's awesome. It's not, I wouldn't say it's great, but it's very good. It's very funny. It's very lighthearted. Rachel McAdams has easily the funnest line reading I've seen all year when she screams, the elves went too far. (laughs) When you watch the movie, when that line happens, that's to this day, the thing I've laughed at the most this year. It's, it's fun. It's, you put it on Netflix, you enjoy it. It's good music. All the actors are having a blast. It's just a really... Sometimes, you know, you need something light and silly to distract from the horrors of the world. I gotcha. And speaking of the horrors of the world, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I oh. uh, watched this with my grandma. It's amazing. It's a, another Frank Capra film. Uh, it's basically It's a Wonderful Life, but instead of angels and Christmas, it's uh, politicians. It's, uh, Jimmy uh, Stewart gets sent to Washington to be a 
politician and Claude Rains again is a uh, the corrupt politician who's like, yeah, you you do your thing over there, just don't mess with my corruption. And I really liked it. It's my second time seeing it, and uh, I loved it. My grandma really enjoyed it as well. It was her first time. Nice. Yeah. I'm at the. I think that's the list. No, we've got two more. We made, oh, we, we skipped two. What we skip? Uh, a Mighty Wind, which is a Christopher Guest mockumentary with uh, Eugene Levy, and uh, he did Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, and uh, Christopher Guest was also in Spinal Tap. It's it's kind of Spinal Tap, but instead of uh, glam rock of the '80s, it's folk music. It was, it was very funny. Nice. And the final one, John Carpenter's They Live. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I did skip that one. I totally skipped that one. That's a good one. That's that is I haven't good... watched it in a long time, but I need to watch it again because I, I not even, is... just even as a John Carpenter fan, but also man, the Hot Rod, Roddy Piper. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is very topical to watch right now. I, was, I I knew about it. I knew the kind of concept and obviously like the obey imagery, but it seen knowing about that and seeing it, it was like it's a great movie. <laughs> Um, isn't that the, that's the one that that uh, um, wasn't it? Uh, South Park did the whole fight. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. like shot for shot, beat yeah. for beat creation of this. It's five minutes long and it just keeps going. <laughs> it's it's Keith David and Roger Piper fighting. It's yeah. awesome. It is. It's a good one. And you get a really corny but awesome line of uh, Roddy Piper saying, I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. It's such a great line that you've heard quoted so many fucking times by everyone that even though you've heard it done to death, when I saw it in the movie for the first time, I was like, yeah, that is fucking badass. <laughs> uh, it's all the delivery, man. Roddy Piper, uh, God, I, I actually, it's funny. I'm sure that other movies he's done are probably weren't great. It's probably his best one. But when I think about like his wrestling career, he did some awesome stuff. Uh, he did this one thing at WrestleMania one year is the Hollywood backlot brawl. As him and Gold Dust. If you guys watch anything wrestling related at any point in the future, look that one up. It is, it's intense. Like they, I was listening to a podcast where Gold Dust talked about doing it, and like you can tell they legit beat the shit out of each other. Like he breaks his hand. Oh. It's uh, they're bleeding and cutting each other up. It's it's intense. Hell yeah! One guy gets hit with a hose. Oof, that's painful. It's not. It's not real, Charlie. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> hey, Some of it was. It is I saw real. the wrestler. The pain is real. I just said he broke his hand. He gets hit by a car. Yeah, it, uh, I was reading about the fight, and they live, and like every hit that isn't to the head or the crotch was real. What were they punching when they were punching the crotch? Uh, like they had. It was a the stage fight where you like kick down and hit the floor just below the groin when he's on the ground. You don't actually oh, kick gotcha. the nuts. Boo. But they're like, we're not going to do the nuts. We're not going to do the head because we're filming a movie. And if you get hit in the head, you can't really redo it. But Hollywood body flows, those are real. Um. All right. So uh, that's all the movies of June. Quick question before we wrap it up. Shoot. It's, it's 
July 3rd. How many films have you watched so far for the month of July? Wait, can I guess? Uh, so far, I am up to, I think, I think I'm actually uh, pretty lame. I think I'm only up to two. Let me do- Yeah, I am only up to two, and I've watched a few episodes of a show. All right. Okay, two. I'm glad I didn't guess, because that's not what I was going to say. Well, and I was going to say, uh, no, you cannot guess. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, well, I'm Poet. I'm Billy. And I was Charlie. Thanks for having me. Good night. This is the outro, this is the outro, this is the outro for the Poet and Billy Podcast Extravaganza!